Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Inquisitive on Relay FM. This episode of Inquisitive is brought to you by Campaign Monitor, helping you send beautiful emails and get better results, Iconic, the ultimate tribute to Apple innovation and design, and Squarespace, where a better web starts with your website. My name is Mike Hurley, and today I have the pleasure of being joined by Mr. David Barnard. Hi, David. How are you? Hey, good. Very good. Thanks so much for joining me today, sir. It's always always fun. You promised me have me on back on last time we talked, so I get to rant about the App Store today, right? I think there's probably <laughs> going to be some of that. Maybe we can complain about the Apple Store as well. You know, well, there's there's less to rant about. I think Apple hit about sixty percent of what I ranted about last time. So <laughs> I always say it's exciting. Aside from uh, ranting about the App Store, David, what do you like to be known for? I like to be known uh, for. For a lot of things, um, yeah, I, I hope hope to be known by my kids as a as a as a good caring father and my my wife similarly. Um, but yeah, as far as like professionally and um, and you know what we're here to talk about, um, I think I think I, I like to be known as as someone who who deeply considers things and 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 thinks things through. I mean, with care. Um, and and you know come come to to reasonable conclusions and and not just brashly um, act and you know and I, and I hope my my products ultimately show a level of thought and care, um, but in the sense of you know a, a lot of the thought that goes into them is is what's not done as much as what is and um, you know balancing um, budgets and time constraints um, and everything else. Uh, to the work to be done, and and that's that's tough. I think I think people would uh, would mainly know you these days for your work at Contrast, right? Yes. Um, tell me a little bit about that. Like, what what kind of apps do you make? What what do you like to do at Contrast? What what, what do you guys believe in? Um, well, we kind of have a wide variety of apps at the moment, from a uh, mirror app <laughs> that's kind of a, a, a grand experiment in the uh, shallow end of the app store pool um, to a crazy productivity app like Launch Center Pro to a weather app like Perfect Weather. Um, but u- ultimately, I've o- always tried to to build apps that that help people. Um, you know, whether it be you know productivity with with Launch Center Pro or uh, you know information and and entertainment in a way with perfect weather and, um, you know, quick access to timers with my timer app. And so, you know, I think, uh, I always really just a- approach app design from, uh, um, trying to do something meaningful rather than gimmicky. So what are the apps that, that you guys make at contrast? Uh, gosh, I have to look at the website. So you have, <laughs> I, I have enough that I uh, get confused. <laughs> But uh, Contact Center is our, our latest one that just launched a few weeks ago. Uh, Launch Center Pro and Launch Center Pro iPad. Uh, we didn't do a universal, so those are two separate apps. Um, Perfect Weather, which is U.S. only because of uh, radar. Uh, we get radar data that's uh, it's hard to get internationally. Uh, mileage Log Plus uh, tracks mileage for uh, taxes and reimbursement. Uh, timer is a, uh, well, as, as the marketing copy says, it's the ultimate one tap timer. It's just a co- collection of, uh, <laughs> of quick, uh, shortcuts for, for timers. Um, 
and then mirrors kind of the, the, the one we don't talk about a ton, but, uh, you know, that actually makes decent money and it's, it's, you know, for a mirror app, it's, I'm very proud of it. And, um, people search the app store for mirror and there's a lot of really terrible apps. And so in some ways I'm proud that they at least have an option to download one with a decent icon and modern UI and, uh, and it's actually, I mean, it's a handy little app, you know, uh, there's kind of the main interaction is to, uh, you see yourself of course, cause it's a mirror app. And so you can, you know, check your makeup or, uh, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, but if you tap the screen, it freezes the screen. And, um, you know, if you're taking a selfie or, you know, just want a quick reference pick, um, it's kind of a pain with the camera roll. Cause you like take a bunch of pictures and then you have to go browse through them and find the one you like. Well, with mirror, you just tap the screen and it freezes. And if you like that, you can save it. Or if you don't, you just tap to unfreeze and keep trying. And so you can, you know, keep trying until you find the one you like. And so, you know, for a selfie camera mirror app kind of thing, um, you know, it's, it's actually pretty cool. But we, you know, it's kind of a big experiment, though. It's where I put, I mean, there's, you know, interstitial, full screen interstitial ads and things like that that I wouldn't put in, in my other apps. But it kind of gives me a window into... Um, that form of monetization and, and um, lets me experiment with different um, things of that nature. So you mentioned uh, Contact Center, which is like a spinoff of Launch Center Pro, right? Um, why did you choose to, to make an app that was, is kind of like another app that you do? Um, which features did you choose to include and why did you choose to include the ones that you did? So we've actually been talking about contact center for years. I mean, pretty much ever since launch center pro was released, we've talked about it. Um, and we've always kind of framed it in, in two different ways. Um, as, as we've discussed it internally, um, when I say we, um, so contact center and launch center pro are actually a, a, a collaboration, a partnership with, uh, Justin Ewens. And so, you know, we're basically 50, 50 partners in the app. Um, I handle, uh, everything from marketing and payments and art direction to uh, product uh, management and uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then he does all the coding. Um, so anyhow, um, so we, when, when we've discussed it um, amongst ourselves, um, have framed it in two, two different ways. One is that um, one of the core features of Launch in our Pro that people have always really enjoyed was, um, was these contact actions. So you know, having a one tap action that grabs your last photo and text messages it to somebody um, can be really handy or setting up a grid of kind of canned responses that, you know, uh, like often I'm leaving the office and I want to tell my wife I'm on my way. Well, you know, every single time you do that, you know, finding her in the messages app, um, you know, typing that in, uh, it, it just, you know, gets annoying for, for something you do a lot. And so, yeah, people really love that aspect of Launch Center Pro to be able to set up these these ways to connect with people um, that you do frequently and be able to kind of automate that into like a, a one-tap action to do those. Um, and so so we always thought that was kind of a, a core feature that, that almost stood on its own. Um, but Launch Center Pro was always this kind of like mammoth app that was like hard to wrap your head around and not really... You know, we even like we called it Launch Center Pro in part because we wanted to tell people like this is this is 
a nerdy app, you know, yeah. I mean, it's kind of bad branding and, and, uh, in the fall we were, we're considering, um, uh, taking the pro off. Um, but in, in some ways we've kind of set the bar for ourselves of, of improving the user experience in a way that makes it more friendly to the average person before we can let ourselves take the pro off. Um, but so, you know, at launch center being that, um, it kind of had buried within it, these really cool, really handy actions that we thought, you know, a lot more people would want to use. Um, so we'd always kind of talked about pulling that out and, and seeing if it would stand alone as its own app. Um, and then secondary to that, um, you know, we've talked a lot over the years about um, you know, how to monetize, how to best monetize Launch Center Pro and whether or not, um, whether or not one, we could take it more mainstream, you know, whether through, um, you know, simplifying the app and stuff, you know, would a larger market um, care to, to, you know, create shortcuts and, and, um, you know, speed dial for apps kind of stuff. Um, but then also, you know, should we, and if it would be interesting to a broader market, would, would it make more sense to take the app free and use ads? Would it make more sense to do some kind of trial? Would it make more sense to make it free and have, you know, upgrades and pro features or would it make sense to have the app free and only do contacts? And then all the current like nerdy launch center pro stuff would then be an app purchase So we, you know, for, I mean, really over two years now, we've kicked around all these ideas. And, um, and this summer, um, uh, my wife was pregnant. We had our third child in July. Um, and Justin actually, um, was going in for, uh, ACL surgery. And so we knew it was kind of going to be an, an off summer anyways. And so we decided after WWC, let's, let's just give this a shot and see what we can learn from it and see, you know, if, if, if people are interested in this kind of, of productivity and whether other monetization options make sense. So yeah, I'll, 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 there was a lot to deciding to kind of spin it out of Launch Center. So you mentioned WWDC, um, and I want to I want to talk about that with you in a moment. But I just want to take a break to talk about our first sponsor uh, for this week's episode, and that is the fine folks over at Campaign Monitor, and they're our new sponsor for Inquisitive Campaign Monitor. Makes it easy to design, create, send, and optimize your email campaigns quickly. And easily. Campaign Monitor features Canvas, an easy-to-use builder for creating beautiful email newsletters that look good everywhere, even on mobile devices. Thousands of Campaign Monitor customers are using Canvas to totally reinvent what they send. So why not try creating a template for free at campaignmonitor.com canvas. Campaign Monitor also has some really cool features for sending your email campaigns, like RSS to email, which allows you to send an email out to your subscribers when you post to your blog, for example. And they also have automatic A-B testing. So this allows you to set up two different subject lines. And what the what they'll do is they'll start sending out your emails um, in batches. And once they see which the, what the winning subject line is, all the rest of the emails will take over and your subscribers will just see the winning email so they will see the winning email, what the most successfully performing uh, subject line is. So that's really good So to make sure that you're getting the highest open rates that you can get on your campaigns. 
Campaign Monitor also features really beautiful and powerful analytics, super simple list management tools, and really cool tips and resources to help you get the most out of your campaigns. Go find out more and sign up for free, for a free account right now at campaignmonitor.com. Thank you so much to those guys. They are fantastic. So thank you, Campaign Monitor, for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. So, Mr. Barnard. Yes. You were in San Francisco for WWDC. I was sitting behind you. Um, we were at the Twitter office, so I got to see you uh, being very excited. <laughs> uh, so what I kind of wanted to gauge is what your initial reactions were to the keynote and what kind of things like extensions and Swift and stuff like that, like the really big things that came out of it looked like iOS is, uh, iOS is changing forever or iOS 8. So you see all this stuff happening on stage. How did you feel initially? Um, you know, and, and I said this quite a bit after, right during and, and immediately after WWC, but I, I think I fell for exactly what Apple wanted to say to developers with WWC, which is a big hug. That's, that's how they opened the whole thing was this video, uh, uh, I forget exactly how they put it, but it, it uh, I think it explicitly said like like hug a developer or something like that um and 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 that's ultimately what wwc felt like like all the little things to be excited about like extensions and swift and all that um were in and of themselves exciting oh and especially the app changes to the app store with app store analytics and all that sort of thing and those were individually very encouraging exciting things but I think what what was most exciting was this tone shift um, that you know, developers have had um, at, at times an antagonistic uh, relationship with Apple. It's always kind of felt like we were the you know low men on the totem pole that Apple was you know uh, putting up with us, but not really um, empowering us or you know caring and. and you know, I think uh, Matt Gemmel uh, a while back wrote a post about how Apple has has for a, for a long time kind of viewed developers and especially indie developers as this like infinitely replenishable source that, you know, if if I get ticked off at Apple and go do Android work or just leave the industry completely, you know, 10 more people are going to come fill my shoes. Um, and that does seem to have been somewhat Apple's approach that like kind of taking for granted the fact that so many developers were building for their platform and kind of assuming that um, that even though the relationship was rocky at times and they weren't necessarily catering to us, that there were enough developers building enough apps that it really didn't matter for the platform. Um, and I, I know that, you know, internally it probably didn't quite, you know, I don't think they kind of scripted their communications to feel like that because, you know, Apple has, you know, taken great care to to build relationships with developers. But even, I mean, even when you see, you know, companies like Panic uh, um, or no, Omni, Om, the Omni Group, where they were trying to um, uh, sh- shift people from the App Store to their uh, app on their website and back and forth or something, and Apple just like, squashed it and but there was like a big time of limbo and like and so you would think a company like omni has a great relationship with apple but but you know they you just end up in these situations where it's just this 
stone wall of either, you know, we're just totally not going to let you do that, or uh, we don't think we're going to let you do that. Let us get back to you, but not communicate very well with you. So I don't know. There's just been this, like this for years, this kind of, um, underlying tension. Um, uh, and WWC felt like Apple's attempt to say, Hey, we're on, we're on the same team, you know, let's build great apps together. Um, and so that was really how I walked away feeling excited and encouraged about individual things, but feeling even more excited and encouraged, um, that the tone of Apple's approach to developers was shifting. Considering the type of apps that you make, like Launch Center Pro, for example, um, I'm sure that extensions uh, and like the widgets and stuff in Notification Center seemed like a really, really big deal for you. They did, um, and 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 we were really excited at WWC, and um, we came back and started brainstorming and you know putting pen to paper or marker to whiteboard, and. Pretty much everything we came up with um, ended with, yeah, but Apple will probably reject that. <laughs> um, and it, you know, and and that's kind of a broader topic that I don't know if you want to delve into at the moment, but it, it's that's kind of the one aspect of developing for the App Store that that still has a very contentious feel to it. Um, and as we record this on September 13th, 12th, 12th today, 12th, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we're, we're, we're just a few days out from the launch of iOS 8. And, and I'm deeply concerned that a lot of work from really great developers over the summer um, will be rejected. And um, so as we were discussing all these, you know, options for, for launch center and the rest of the apps, um, there was kind of a wet blanket on it all, um, of, yeah, that's cool, but what's Apple going to accept or reject. And so, um, so all summer we've actually been tinkering with all of this. Um, but we, we made a very conscious decision to, to build contact center again, in part, um, because of where we were at this summer in our personal lives with surgery and, and a new baby and stuff. Um, but then also um, where things were at with iOS 8 being very exciting, but very unclear what Apple would accept or reject. Um, and so we decided to focus on Contact Center um, because that was, there's a lot of work that we did in Contact Center that's applicable to Launch Center Pro. Like there's there's a lot we did to simplify the create shortcut creation process. And we did smart folders and we, we experimented with onboarding. There's so much at the code level and also at the, um, you know, monetization and other things that, that we learn from contact center that's going to be directly applicable to launch center pro. Um, but yeah, so we made a conscious decision to not dive headfirst into those things. And so far, it you know it appears to be the right choice and you know i'm 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 sad and frustrated that we're not going to be a part of the big hoopla next week um but you know one of the things one of the early things that we thought okay this is going to be really cool was adding homekit integration um and so we we actually spent a lot of time experimenting with home homekit integration this summer but didn't you know fully Im- implement it into launch center pro 
Well, it turns out last week, Apple published new review guidelines, and they explicitly say that an app that uses the HomeKit SDK has to be primarily focused on HomeKit. So, you know, my interpretation of this rule that showed up at the 11th hour mm. is that we can't integrate HomeKit into LaunchCenter Pro. We'd have to do like, you know, HomeCenter Pro or something <laughs> and, and, you know, spin off yet another app. Um, and so, you know, the thing, one of the things that we were most excited about here turns out we probably would have gotten rejected for. And so, you know, again, as, as sad and frustrating as it is to not, you know, have something. And again, we actually, we have a lot we're working on, but we, we're not, you know, we're not releasing anything next week and we're not, we're not even super far along on any specific things because we kind of chose to take a wait and see at it, a wait and see approach on, on a lot of these things that were so new. Um, and at WWC, you know, everybody kind of got the sense of like, well, Apple's, um, opening the doors wide open and, you know, interrupt communication and like, you know, Apple's, you know, going to allow all these new things that they've never allowed before. I even had people tweet. So, so like a week ago, I tweeted about how concerned I am about iOS eight rejections and people were tweeting back at me like, Oh, well, you know, Apple's going to like flip a switch when iOS eight comes out and just, you know, let us do all this fun new stuff. And, <laughs> you know, when those rules were released, uh, a few days after that, it seems pretty clear that there's not a flip they're switching. It's still like the review process is still, there's still going to be a lot of rejected apps. And, and, and that's, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, I, I'm actually very much at peace with the review process itself in that I, I think it's great for the platform that Apple reviews apps. Um, but the problem is it just continues to be a very fuzzy thing. You know, in June, there was as we were experimenting with HomeKit and thinking, how cool is this going to be to you know unlock your garage door with one tap right from the launch center home screen? This is awesome. You know, let's start experimenting with it. Um, you know, we would we would have there was no way for us to know that Apple was going to come up with this rule that um, home center apps have to be primarily focused on home center. So, uh, you know, it's, it, software releases aren't typically like this and we are kind of in a unique place where the stuff we do not necessarily pushes boundaries but like we would want to do really innovative stuff um so yeah it's kind of a it's a weird summer for us a <laughs> really weird summer so i mean i know that you've mentioned about the the rejections and things like that i mean obviously we haven't seen them yet do you feel that the, this is like a, a, a certain thing to happen or is there an element of like being burned in the past that makes you feel this way? Um, I think a little bit of both. Um, I'm, I'm like 99.9% .9 certain we're going to have at least three or four kind of surprising rejections, you know, where somebody built something really cool that Apple's just going to say, no, we're not going to allow that. You know, I think there's going to be at least a few pretty high profile ones. Um, and, and, and that means, you know, whether it, it's an independent developer or a, or a bigger company, you know, that means that, that they've spent, um, you know, months of effort that doesn't go anywhere that they just scrap and, you know, and scramble to release 
the rest of the app without that functionality. Um, you know, great, a great example. And I, I hate to pick on him and I, 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 I deeply hope this is not the case, but you know, Apple talked about today widgets and notification center being more focused on informational things. Um, so kind of more notification oriented, like stocks and weather where it's like, you know, incoming data that you want to check at a glance. Well, James Thompson, um, built essentially built a calculator in a today widget with PCALC. And so you have this whole calculator and, and I'm, I'm sweating bullets for him that that's going to get rejected. And, and like, I'm, I, I, my negativity about it is, is that I, I, I hope, like, I, I don't want it to get rejected. I hope it gets approved. Um, but it's it's scary to me knowing as an indie developer how precious our time is and how hard it is to to make a living and stay afloat in the app store it's just really scary to me to think of of all the effort that could potentially have been wasted but but i i'm still i'm still really hopeful that 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 maybe there there is a flip that they're switch a switch that they're flipping or whatever um you know come next week that like they made a policy decision, you know, at the high, high levels within Apple to say, you know what, it's time that we let developers experiment more with, with the things they do in the app store. And we only, you know, reject egregious, um, you know, bugs and, and, uh, malware kind of stuff, but we don't reject somebody like James Thompson, just trying to do something fun in notification center. Um, but historically, that's the kind of thing that they've rejected. Like we, the very first launch center um, in 2011, the primary purpose of the app was to put these URL shortcuts into Notification Center to turn Notification Center into a quick launcher, basically. And they flat out rejected it and continually told us that they did not want shortcuts in Notification Center. Um, very explicitly on multiple occasions and, and partially because competitors of ours continued to sneak those into the app store where the, you know, the app review team was just asleep at the wheel or whatever. And so then, you know, I, I would, you know, we'd submit a build and be like, Hey, um, you know, we'd like to do this. This other app is doing this now is, does that mean there's been a change in policy? And then we would get a very firm, no, there's been no change of policy. You know, we're going to, I don't know, sometimes they maybe pulled the other apps or forced them to change next time they submitted. Or I, I, I didn't care enough to, you know, follow exactly how they handled those things. But, but the point being, um, they, you know, Apple historically kind of has a vision for, the user experience of certain elements of of iOS and will flat out reject new interpretations of that. So I totally understand and I get why Apple wouldn't want Notification Center to be turned into a launcher. You know, that's not its intent. It, you know, in some ways it's not great user experience. Um, so you know, I quickly made peace with, okay, that's, that's not what they want notification center to be, but we spent time, thankfully with that app, it was like, you know, a few weeks, um, and not, you know, months and months and months, but you know, we spent time that, that, that just didn't ever get to ship. Um, and so, so having been burned in that way before, it is really concerning to me that Apple has explicitly said, we want notification center to be about, 
um, informational widgets. Um, and they explicitly say not to put, you know, an, an app's full UI in there and stuff like that. And so I think I, I have, you know, good reason to be scared for James. And, and again, I, I hope Apple is going to let developers do things that they don't care for, but, but, you know, let users ultimately decide if they want a calculator in their notification center or not. I would love it. I think it's going to be really handy. Um, but again, like historically, their policy has been that they don't let you kind of experiment in those ways. Um, so, so I'm hopeful, but I'm, I'm concerned. And, and, you know, and again, for us, it just, it didn't feel like a great time for us to take a bunch of risks. It didn't feel like a good time for us to spend the whole summer integrating HomeKit into Launch Center and then have it rejected. And so uh, it, it was a really tough call and uh, I'm going to be sad, really, really sad next week watching all these really great extensions and stuff come out. But, you know, again, like I said, we've been experimenting a lot this summer and we're going to, you know, keep an eye out on what Apple's approving and, and rejecting. And then, you know, hopefully much more efficiently um, be able to, to innovate with our, with our apps. And I mean, in the same regard, I'm actually even waiting for promo videos. Um, you know, I, I'm so excited about app preview videos uh, in the app store. I think this is going to be huge, especially for paid apps. But you know what? I have not built an app preview video yet because I have a pretty good idea that some are going to get rejected and I would like to make a really nice one. And so I'd like to spend more time and money and build something nice but I'm going to wait to see what Apple does before I go spend a bunch of time and money only to get it rejected and have to completely redo it. When you say money, like, I mean, I, 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 Apple seems to have been quite clear about what they're allowing. So like, as in they're saying, you know, it must only be video footage of the application in action, for example. So like, what, what are you hoping to see? Like well, so well, so here's here's a tricky one. So with Mirror, the whole point of the app is to see yourself, and so right, um, I've model. considered yeah. So I've considered hiring a, a, a professional videographer to do lighting, hiring a model, and you know probably and not not going all out and super fancy, and it's still only a thirty second deal. Um, but you know, considering spending five hundred to a thousand dollars putting this together, where there's a live model actually interacting with the app and you would see her face in the app because that's the point of the app. Um, but I, I mean, I have no way to, and I guess what I need to do is just do, do me and do a cheesy <laughs> 30 second version and see if it gets approved and then go spend the money. Um, yeah. yeah. But, but like, um, Riedel, uh, they've, they've been showing off at least one of their videos and it's got music in the background and it's got type overlaid and it's it's a really you know they always work really hard to do really polished professional videos um and um and I'm curious you know that those might get rejected um and so you know for for the app preview videos um there's there's a lot that can be done and yeah they say you know only show the app and they do allow voiceover um but but it's just it's it's not clear if there's any flexibility there and like um 
yeah, we'll just see, you know, we'll see, we'll see what they, what they do. And, and so, you know, for me, you know, a lot of developers are crazy busy, you know, the last three weeks, you know, putting final touches on, well, pretty much for me, as soon as iOS eight is released, I'm going to be really busy, you know, watching what gets approved and then, um, you know, doing the best I can with what Apple will allow. So let me just take a moment to talk about our second sponsor, um, and then I want to talk about iTunes Connect, which is uh, something I know that is near and dear to your heart. Uh, so this week's episode is also brought to you by Iconic, a, photo- a photographic tribute to Apple and design. We spoke about Iconic a couple of weeks ago. It's a beautiful coffee table book that tells the story of Apple's most gorgeous desktops, portables, peripherals, prototypes, iPods, iOS devices, and all of their packaging. This is all done with the use of stunning and unique photography. The project began back in 2009 when author Jonathan Zufi decided he wanted to start to photograph and catalogue his incredible and mammoth collection of Apple products. Over a project spanning four years, the team that he had working with him on Iconic took over 150,000 photos and chose the very best of them to put into this fantastic 350-page book. To go along with the images, there are a collection of essays, from contributors such as Ken Siegel, Lauren Brichter, and Daniel Kotke, as well as forwards from Jim Dalrymple and Steve Wozniak. One of the things that I've loved looking at uh, over the last week or so with the announcement and then, you know, soon to go on sale the new iPhones is looking at the pictures of the previous iPhone models. There are some fast, fantastic images like from the original iPhone um, all the way up. And they've there's like these just these beautiful close-ups. Like I, I really like looking at the pictures that have like details like the speaker grills and stuff like that like with these fantastic images really sort of blown up to these large sizes like also like the lenses of the cameras are just a really interesting thing to look at and one of my favorite things of course they also show off all of the packaging that they came in Um, apple packaging is something that i enjoy very much and i keep all of my boxes and uh, i like looking at the pictures of some of the older stuff and some of the stuff that i don't own in the packaging of those uh, in iconic Iconic has been fully self-published and is printed on beautiful paper stock. It makes the perfect gift for yourself, but also for any geeky loved ones in your life. Since the last time we spoke about Iconic, they've been working really hard to get the book to you easier than ever before and still at a very fantastic price. So if you want to get your hands on the classic edition, you should go straight to Amazon or the Book Depository and buy from there. And they've been working to try and get that sort of worldwide and and make sure that they have it available for everyone with short shipping times and at great prices. But if you're interested in the classic plus or special edition, head over to iconicbook.com slash RelayFM where you can still get 20% off and of course show your support for this show thank you so much to iconic for their support of inquisitive and all of relay fm so david there were some changes in itunes connect um like more analytics um and i'm going to assume better charts and stuff like that when this was announced was it everything you ever could have wished for <laughs> well, that's an unfair way to put it. <laughs> I mean, what whatever lives up to the hype of everything you've ever wished for. Um, Apple did a lot. They did a lot. Um, we still actually don't know uh, how far they took it because we don't have access to analytics yet. Um, 
They, they did refresh the UI, um, and it looks really nice. It's a little confusing. I'm not sure if the UI is confusing or if we're just used to it being so different that it's hard to get used to the new um, kind of layout and way things are done. Um, but for example, we, we don't know, we still don't know yet whether, um, the, the app store analytics themselves are going to show, um, like time spent on the app page or, you know, how many screenshots they scrolled through or, you know, whether they read the description or not, you know, there's, there's, there's things that something like Google analytics, you can set up to, to kind of track and then infer a lot about people who can come visit your website. Um, and so in tracking, you know, things they touch on and, you know, do they make the screenshots full screen or not? Uh, I mean, there's so many tiny little details that Apple could be tracking. Um, and I kind of doubt they're tracking that much detail. Um, which, you know, I don't, I don't know that I would, it would kind of be fascinating data to look at. I don't, it, it'd be tough to, kind of make business decisions based on it necessarily, uh, especially since we, we can't directly do, you know, A-B testing or anything like that in the app store. Um, so what, you know, what they showed us was um, incoming links to the app store uh, is, is, is I think pretty much mostly what they showed us. Um, uh, so we don't know if, if they're going to tell you if a, if a person came to the app by search or by you know banner in the app store or uh, you know specific keywords that they were searching for, um, you know all those kind of things would would be really interesting, um, and we just don't know yet whether whether they're going to give us that level. Um, so so really, it's I mean my assessment of it's about what it was at WWC in that I'm really hopeful and it shows incredible progress, um, and even if all they give us is what they showed and that's just you know, incoming links to the app store is going to be incredibly helpful. Um, but it's hard to know, you know, as far as like everything I hoped and dreamed for, uh, we just don't know yet. So. Cool. So as we record this, you know, we're just coming off the back of a big Apple product announcement, right? So we've had new iPhones and we've had the Apple watch as well being unveiled. So you know, in in a, in a usual scenario, you've been working away. Um, this probably happens every year, right? You, you've got new things to work on with the OS, and you've been thinking about that. You've been planning your business around that, changing your roadmap a little bit to try and incorporate some of the changes that are coming in the operating system and or making any changes that you simply have to make to get your application running and working properly in the new OS. Do you prepare for the possibility of there being hardware that's just completely going to change everything for you whether you like it or not um well again this this summer was a little different for us um in an ideal world yes and you know a lot of uh, a lot of really smart developers uh spent a summer in um 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 auto layout and other APIs that Apple was very clearly uh, pushing for very obvious reasons. Um, but I, I kind of made the assumption, whether it was a good assumption or not, um, you know, that, that Apple would just scale the apps and that they wouldn't look terrible. So, you know, when we went from the iPhone um, 3GS to the iPhone 4, um, it, it was 
pretty horrible. Um, the the you know pixelated um, non Retina apps on a Retina screen. Uh, and then when we went from the iPhone 4S to the iPhone 5, they put black bars at the top and the bottom of apps that weren't optimized for the for the taller screen, and that looked horrible. Um, but I kind of made the assumption that that it wasn't going to be horrible, even if it wasn't perfect. Um, and so we kind of sat this one out in that regard as well. In that, you know, it was. You know, rumors didn't really kind of solidify on the exact, you know, screen dimensions and, you know, asset classes and stuff until Gruber posted, actually, which he said it wasn't informed, but the, as closely as he hit the nail on the head, it, it seems rather informed. Um, so, you know, that was only like two weeks ago that anybody had like really said with any level of confidence that you know, here are the resolutions that the screens are going to be. And part of the point of auto layout is that you don't, you don't have to care anymore. You just, you, the, the, you build your interfaces to scale, but they're, but we also now need to create three X assets. And so, um, so yeah, we, we just kind of, I guess, took the lazy approach this summer and, and, uh, and kind of took a, a risky calculated guess that it wasn't going to be terrible um, and that kind of gave us more time, uh, you know, and so my approach this year, which is, is different than other years, you know, I, I've, I've, I've always intended to, and, and I always say it would have been a great time to do it to, you know, clear my schedule, you know, go to WWDC and come home and just hit the ground running and work my ass off and have some amazing new product in day one. And, there's a lot of developers who did that this year and they're, they're probably going to be very well rewarded for doing that. I mean, you know, there's certainly going to be some amazing new extensions and like panics transmit app and, and other things that are, that are going to do really well um, and, and be really exciting apps. But, but again, with, with Justin having his knee surgery and my, my third son being born, um, it was, I just knew this summer was going to be rough. <laughs> and so the approach that I took this summer was let's experiment, let's learn, let's try contact center to figure out, you know, whether freemium makes sense for a launch center kind of app to figure out whether, um, you know, a broader market is even interested in this kind of productivity. Um, and then, um, you know, when iOS eight drops and we know the, um, uh, you know, exact screen dimensions and we know what we're dealing with, you know, now these next few months, we can crank out and be very efficiently um, work on what's next for the app. So, so I'm super excited about what's coming. And like I said, we, you know, we have some really great ideas for where to take things. Um, but the real work for us is going to be over the next few couple of months. And, and the great thing about that is it's, is it's, it's so much more informed. Um, and so much less buggy. I mean, there's been, uh, I've heard from so many developers who've been beating their head against the wall with extensions and there, there were a lot of bugs in the betas. And so, you know, there was a lot of effort, like, I mean, you know, thousands of man hours. And, you know, if, if most developers time is worth in the, you know, hundred to $200 range, there was probably millions of dollars of time wasted with people beating their head against the wall with Apple bugs, with, um, you know, features that are going to get rejected with, with things like that. And so, um, 
So again, I mean, as sad as it was, I mean, you know, we decided to take a wait and see approach. And I think, you know, the next few months for us are going to be more, even more exciting to have the device in our hand to kind of have a good sense of, of where to go to, you know, have a lot of the kinks worked out. And so we can, we can, uh, you know, come together and do some of our best work. You know, Justin's knee is, is doing much better. He's finally back in the office. Uh, my son is, is two months old and sleeping pretty good. And, uh, so it, it, it's lining up to be a very exciting fall for us, but it's definitely, you know, very different than I think how most developers, um, spent the summer. When you see the devices unveiled, do you start to see new avenues to explore in the same way that you would look at iOS 8 and start, or any iOS release and you start to see, oh, we could try and do this, we can try and do this? Do you get the same sort of feeling when you see these devices? You, know, you see these larger screens, you see maybe the Plus with its additional layouts that it can do, you know, like the kind of half in between an, an iPhone and an iPad. Like, do you start to look at those and think, oh, this is how we could start to... to look at our apps does it disrupt your product roadmap in any way do you start deviating from what what you're aiming at to start thinking about newer things and come back around absolutely and that and that's part of that's part of the wait and see approach is that i think that you know especially like the split view stuff was hinted at but that's a pretty exciting new feature and as as much as i don't think i'm gonna like the uh physicality of the iphone (laughs) 6 plus um I'm going to give it a year and I'm going to carry it as my main phone, even if I hate how big it is, um, because that's a really fascinating new UI paradigm to have this amazing computer in your pocket that now can have more iPad-like UI. You know, this, the split view in mail looks awesome, you know? I mean, those kind of things do lead to to new opportunities. And so, so absolutely, you know, the last uh, few days since, uh, and, and honestly, this time seeing the watch has kind of shifted our thinking even more so than the devices themselves in that, you know, thinking about the future of human computer interaction being this kind of hybrid of, wearable and pocket computer um, is a really different way to to think about design problems and interaction problems than to just think about designing for a phone. And so, you know, there's aspects of the iWatch UI that have already started to kind of inform our thinking of how how we might want to approach Launch Center because, you know, if if we can do some really cool things that that work both on the wrist and on the device, or at least kind of, you know, I mean, like Apple said, you don't want to like directly replicate a UI because it's a totally different experience, but it, but you want a reference. Like you don't want the watch to be this like completely foreign experience. And then you get to your iPhone and, and you're using the same app, but it's like, you know, night and day different. And so I think there's kind of a, we need to start approaching app development, looking at that kind of symbiotic nature. Um, and, and, and everything from like the actual like interaction UI to, to things like, you know, where the app is going. I, I wrote a post earlier this summer about, um, um, what I call it, um, curated automation about how, you know, we talk a lot about how computers should just do things for us, but as humans, 
um, you know, we're impulsive and we have certain habits, but we also, you know, live our life differently day to day, moment to moment. And, you know, at times want one thing and at times want a different thing. And so um, I'm, I'm personally not super bullish on algorithms being able to just automatically do things for me because, you know, I show up at a coffee shop and you know what, sometimes I want one thing and sometimes I want another. And I mean, maybe someday there's going to be an algorithm good enough to like assume my mood based on my sleep habits and, you know, conversations that morning or, or whatever it might be. But I mean, that, that's, that's like years and years and years down the road. Um, and so it's, it's really fascinating to me how the watch can become this experience of, of less interruptive notifications, but more meaningful notifications where, um, you know, the example I used in the post is you know, we have a, a Nest thermostat at our house and it, you know, the point of it is to have the, the learning you the learning algorithm figure out, you know, when to turn itself off and, and save you money. And so I want to leave those learning features on, but we've had quite a few like really frustrating experiences where we leave the house for five minutes and we come back and it's turned itself off and it forgets to turn itself back on. Uh, or we're having a party and it turns itself off for, I don't even know why it did at that time. I think we like weren't in the area that the thermostat detected we were home. And so it shifted. And so that, we, you know, everybody's sweating at our, our little get together. Um, and so those are kind of things where you think, okay, a computer eventually will figure that out and algorithms will eventually learn that. Um, and and in, in the Nest case, they can continue to improve that. But there's certain times where, you know, you're just going out for 10 minutes and you don't want it to turn off or you're having a party. And, and, and so, so the example I used was, and, and I have this set up on my, um, on it with um, If This and That and Launch Center Pro is that it'll send me a, a push notification saying, you know, the temperature has risen over uh, 75 degrees. Do you want me to reset it to, 70, to 73, 72, or 71 or cancel? And, and that's actually been really effective for me because there's been a few times where the nest was confused. And so that like very mild interruption, um, displaced a worse interruption of the nest being off and me getting home to a, a really hot house. And I mean, these are all like very first world problems, obviously. And nest is probably not the best example of it, but it's the example I use. So that's what I'm rolling with. But the point being that it's really fascinating to me how the watch is going to provide um, subtle, easier interactions that can um, take the place of, of that, that can aid in automation and, and aid in, in easing these interactions with computing devices. Um, for example, you know, their, their demo of an incoming text message where somebody asks you a question, you know, like my wife might text me, you know, do you want X at the grocery store? And if, if it can be smart enough to just, when a question is posed, say yes or no, or give me some options, and I just turn my wrist, hit yes, and it's taken care of, there, there's some really cool, powerful interactions there that, that, that can... Um, ease our human interaction with computers. Um, and, and, you know, as much as people are saying like, well, there's no job to be done with the Apple watch and, 
you know, why would I want the watch when I can just take the phone out of my computer? And, you know, why am I going to pay $350 for this thing? Um, I think as time progresses, and again, it, it is just a 1.0, you know, developers haven't had a chance to really, you know, explore these ideas. But I really think there's, there's something to this. Um, and so thinking that there's something to this, whether we fully understand it today or not, does deeply inform, you know, where I think we should go with our apps over the next three to five years. I want to ask you um, a little bit more about the plus and your decision there. And also to touch on the, the Apple Watch just, uh, just a bit more. Um, but before we do that, I just want to thank our final sponsor for this week's episode. And that is our friends over at Squarespace. They are the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. For a free trial and 10% off, visit squarespace.com and enter the offer code QUESTION at checkout. A better web starts with your website. If you're listening to this and you're inspired to go out and maybe start a blog so you can write about development or maybe you want to start a podcast like this one or maybe you are about to release your first app and you need a website for it, there's nowhere better to turn than Squarespace. They give you all of the tools that you're going to need to allow you to quickly and easily get your next project live on the internet. Squarespace give you the full package. They give you the control to create something that you love, that looks amazing, looks professional and they give you all of the these tools, they're all at your fingertips all the time, and, and they're really powerful, but just simple to use. Like, they're page-building tools. Like They allow you to create pages that look exactly as you want by dragging and dropping things around. They feature Typekit and Google Fonts right out of the box that allow you to select a beautiful typeface for your website or blog that allows you to speak in the way that you want to. They have 24-7 award-winning support as well over email and chat. They have teams located in New York City. Portland and Dublin. So if you need any help with anything, Squarespace are there to help you. They also have a selection of awesome apps to help you manage your site, check your stats, and so much more. If you want to start selling things online, you can do that with Squarespace. Every single site comes with online store functionality. They call it Squarespace Commerce. And when you're designing your pages with their drag and drop layout building system, one of the things that I really love is that it's all in the web browser. So you're just seeing it update as you want. You can be working on multiple templates at one time if you want to, if you're looking at doing a redesign. it's I love Squarespace. I've been using them for, I can't even remember how long. Basically for as long as I've been putting things online, I've been using Squarespace because I am not a coder. Um, I, and I don't want to spend the time to learn all that sort of stuff and to fiddle with it and to break things. I just want to put the things that I want to put on the internet. Squarespace works for me every time. You can start a free trial right now with no credit card required and you can start booting a website today. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure that you use the offer code QUESTION to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for Inquisitive. We thank Squarespace for their support of Inquisitive and all of Relay FM. That's Squarespace. A better web starts with your website. David, you mentioned about buying the Plus, and but you seemed not too convinced about your decision. Um, oh, I'm absolutely convinced about my decision, <clears throat> but my decision was not made 
because I think I'm going to like it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean, right? So, so this is interesting to me because I've been thinking about this recently uh, as well because I've chosen to buy the Plus because it's the device that I want. Um, and I've been thinking about, you know, it has a slightly different mode. You know, it can show it has this different sort of um, UI mode that it can that apps can take advantage of. And my concern is that um, a lot of developers won't want this device, so it will kind of get forgotten about. So you've kind of decided to take the plunge. Is that for this kind of reason? So you're thinking about this device when you're looking at developing? Yeah, I mean, that really is the main reason. Um, I, you know, with with kind of what, I mean, with everything in life, there's what you think you know and what you think you like and what you um you know think you want and then if you stretch yourself and and try to experience things that you don't think you'd like or want or need um you learn a lot more um and so specifically with development you know I feel like as as such a distinct device with such distinct um, UI potential, um, I think it's important for me to experience it. And a lot of developers are talking about, oh, well, I bought the 5 Plus for um, testing. Um, and that's fine. But, but you know, I, I'm making a conscious, to choice, conscious choice to carry it for a year to understand what a device of that size means in in day to day use, um, because there are opportunities there, and even if they're not like you know big opportunities, and even if you know we don't spend a lot of time building explicitly for a single device that's not that doesn't necessarily have the penetration. Um, worthy of or enough penetration to to monetarily reward us for that investment. Um, I just think you know intellectually and and um, and for for someone who who works day in day out thinking about and building apps. I just think it's a really important thing to experience. I am pleased to hear you say that. To be honest, because this is kind of what I was hoping. Uh, that that we would talk about, and, and I wondered if I would have to ask you the question, but you, you've clearly been thinking about it yourself because that's my concern, right? Buying the device for testing, that's like checking compatibility. It's not necessarily thinking about the challenges and opportunities that, an app, that a device of this size can bring, and and that really does only come with like truly using it every day. Yeah. So... The Apple Watch. So we've spoken, a, a, you've, you've mentioned a little bit about it and, and you're kind of saying that you're very interested in it. Do you think that a totally new platform like this, uh, untested um, with the audience, you know, how it's going to sell, etc., is a viable place to spend your time and money? Is it a bit of a gamble right now to, to do that? Well, see, this is this is really interesting in light of our prior conversation in that you know, I did make a very calculated bet to not invest a lot of time this summer. And even, I mean, again, I don't know if I communicated it clearly enough. I mean, 
in a lot of ways, I think it's a bad choice in that I think there's a lot that we could have done that would have been really successful and rewarded had we gotten out on day one. Um, and so I don't think it was necessarily the, the right choice or the perfect choice. And it's definitely not a choice I would recommend for everybody to like just skip out and not take risks and not invest. But, um, but I do think that, you know, we're not going to be that far behind. Um, and, and the, and there, there's still a lot of exciting things for us to do. Um, so in relation to the watch, um, it, it, it's a, it's a little, it feels a little different to me in that, um, one, there, there, there isn't a hard release date and so much is still in flux. And so, you know, we're not, we're not jumping, we're not jumping into it like already, um, designing iWatch, iWatch, gosh, everybody's going to do that for years. Yeah. Uh, I hate to be that person. I'm, I'm the iTouch guy. Um, <laughs> no, I don't know, man. I think it was the same with ITV, right? We all expected it to be that. Right. I mean, we've been calling this device the iWatch for a long time since before it was announced. And plus, Apple Watch sounds strange because, you know, they yeah, only have one product that they give that name to, and, and that well, product is. Yeah, I mean, like up until now. For the, yeah, right, right, right. And, and we we don't really talk about the Apple TV very much anyway. But it will yeah. it will settle. I, I, don't beat yourself up about it right now. <laughs> so the Apple Watch. Um, so you know, we're not diving in today. Um, you know, focusing and putting a lot of effort into it. Um, I, I think there's kind of a, a measured approach to be taken in. You know, kind of what I was describing earlier that that it should inform decisions, but not necessarily be a primary focus at the moment. Um, but as I said, I mean, I, I think whether or not Apple Watch 1.0 is, is the um, perfect implementation of it, which we obviously know it's not going to be, um, but even if Apple has to reboot at some point down the road and it's glasses instead of a watch or it's, you know, some other form factor or some other um, UI paradigm, um, I think it's clear that, you know, technology is moving that direction, that, that our interaction with computers can be enhanced through devices that we wear and that, that exist um, outside of our phones and yet for now interact with, with our phones and in the future, potentially kind of stand on their own. Um, but because it's clear that, that this form of technology, not necessarily the iWatch specific, oh, damn it, the Apple Watch <laughs> specifically, um, because it's clear that, that, that there's a future there, even if it's not the Apple Watch specifically, I think it's, it's, it's worthy of, of investing in. Um, but as far as like, you know, how much time and effort we invest, you know, that's very much up in the air. Um, and will depend a lot on kind of where we're at, um, you know, financially as a company, where we're at in the product cycles with our apps, um, where the, the watch kit, um, platform is in terms of, you know, bugs and reliability and uh, tools support and things like that. Um, so that that's very much going to be a moving target that's yet to be determined. Um, 
but because I'm so bullish on the future of, of, I hate to call it wearable technology because I don't think it's, I think that where we're headed is, is, well, another, the whole internet of things. There's got to be a better way to describe these things, but it's, it's that technology is, is most certainly even in hardware and, and especially in software moving beyond this, you know, little screen that we carry in our pockets. And so, uh, so because I, I, I believe in, in that future, um, I, I probably will be more willing to take risks in that area um, than I am in, in, in other ways. So you're excited about it, though, right? It's a, it's, oh, a, it's yeah, something that really. <laughs> I, I hope all that wasn't communicated. I wasn't excited about. it. I'm very excited about it, and you know, I, 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 I'm excited as much about it what it says about the future as I am for the 1.0 product. And I mean, yeah. that's such a you know cliche thing to say at this point. There were like 3,000 tweets saying the same thing, um, but it really is true. Like we're, you know. A 1.0 product in a new category is exciting not just for what it is, but for what it can become. And as cliche as it is to say that, that's a really important thing to think about in considering. So, you know, if I looked at the Apple Watch today and what we know about it, um, I would not be as excited uh, because I don't, you know, I think a lot of people pointed out that there's, Apple didn't do a really clear job of outlining, you know, why, why do we care? Why is it worth $350 to us to have this piece of technology in our wrist? And so I think if you, if you look, if you have a very narrow scope, there's a lot of reason to not be excited about the Apple watch. And so I think it's important to broaden that scope um, where you're, you're going to kind of miss out on, on, on where things are going. How important is it, do you think, to be uh, out on day one with a device like this? You know, have, having your app or what, whatever we call them for the uh, the Apple Watch uh, on day one. How important is that, do you think? You know, there there are certainly some very... Um, there's certainly some very big benefits, often you know monetary benefits for being on a platform day one. You know when the when the iPhone App Store first launched, um, there were some really terrible apps that made a lot of money. For example, I had TripCubby ready to roll, but Apple had not approved my developer account, and so I missed the App Store launch by one month. And TripCubby was a mileage log app, and in that one month there were six or seven other mileage log apps um, that, that by my estimates at the time, made tens of thousands of dollars, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, because people launched the app store and said, I want to buy a mileage log because I need to track miles for work. And they went and bought it, you know, pretty much sight unseen because there were two options or three options. And, you know, by the time I launched, there were like six or something. And so there's certainly benefits to being being there day one, um, but I feel like in a lot of ways it's more kind of short-term monetary benefit to be there early. Um, 
But often the, the things that last aren't the ones that are there day one. Um, because especially with a new platform like the Apple Watch, it's going to be really hard to get a sense for how the interactions are going to play out. Like we can kind of ape Apple's UIs and assume that, you know, our button sizes and and our interaction concepts are correct. Um, But once we actually get the device in our hands and feel, um, feel those things, you know, it's, it's probably going to significantly shape and inform our uh, approaches um, and then also to see what other developers are doing and, and, you know, get ideas from, from what other people have done versus, you know, completely, you know, working in a vacuum. Um, so, so there's benefits and drawbacks. Um, I think, you know, there were a lot of apps that launched day one on the iPad that, you know, had some bugs or were kind of suboptimal. And, you know, if you kind of lose your, your big shot at getting attention due to uh, issues or, or kind of poor assumptions, uh, you know, you can kind of blow that, that, that shot. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's a complex thing. I mean, it, it's fun to be there on day one and, you know, we're, we're not being there day one with, um, with three X UI on the iPhone uh, six plus, and we're not going to be there day one with, extensibility on iOS 8. Um, but you know, I, I, I'm hopeful I'd love to be there day one on the Apple watch. Um, but I think, you know, that's, that's ultimately going to be a very conscious decision as to whether we ship or not based on, you know, how confident we are that we're doing the right thing. You know, if it, if, if, if it feels like we're, we're, we've built something great and um, and are fairly confident that it's going to, you know, function well and not have a lot of bugs. I, I'd love to be there day one, but if, if there's a lot more questions, um, you know, again, extensibility is a perfect example of this. Um, <laughs> you know, people are still finding bugs, uh, today and, you know, they've already submitted their apps and, you yeah. know, there's, there's going to be a pretty rocky road with sharing extensions and today widgets and other stuff. Um, or I'm assuming there will be. I mean, I'm hoping things just work out perfectly, but uh, it looks like there's, you know, there's, it's going to be a rocky road. Um, so, so in that regard, I'm, I'm actually, you know, happy with our decision to not be there day one. Um, so, so yeah, it's just going to, it's really going to depend kind of how things play out leading up to the release of the Apple watch. And, you know, based on some wording that people have been tweeting um, from from the the Apple site, it it kind of is starting to sound like WatchKit might not come with the Apple Watch 1.0. That we might not have, uh, or Apple may partner with people like um, Starwood and and Nike to have an uh, a, an app out day one, but there might not be an app store um, or uh, or a way for apps that are in the iPhone app store to work on the Apple watch, uh, on day one. Cause the wording was kind of vague about watch kit coming like later in 2015. And yet the Apple watch very explicitly states early 2015. Um, 
So that aspect of it's going to be really interesting if, you know, Apple kind of picks the winners for us. <laughs> and if that's the case, you know, I, I will do my best to, you know, pitch whatever we think we can do as a viable option. But, you know, we're small potatoes on the, on the app store. So I doubt we would get to be a launch partner if that's how it plays out. You never know. You never David. know. Where can people find you? Where can they keep up with, to date with what you're doing and what you're doing at Contrast too? Sure. Um, Twitter is probably the best place. As I said earlier, I do kind of uh, rant and ramble on Twitter. It's kind of my stream of consciousness. Uh, but if you're up for that sort of thing, I am Dr. Barnard on Twitter. Um, if you'd like the more uh, infrequent, more measured um, conversation. Um, you can follow uh, Launch Center Pro on Twitter, just at Launch Center Pro or at Contrast on Twitter. Uh, and you can go to our website, uh, contrast.co, contrast.co, uh, and find links to all our apps and videos and fun stuff. If you'd like to find uh, the show notes for this week's episode, go to relay.fm slash inquisitive slash five. Uh, my name is Mike Hurley. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E on Twitter. Thanks again to our three sponsors this week, Campaign Monitor, Iconic, and Squarespace. And I'll be back next week with another episode of Inquisitive. Until then, bye-bye.